about a little over a month after Jesus was crucified, uh, the day of Pentecost came, when the Holy Spirit came on the believers as God had promised. Jesus told them to wait, and they waited, and the Holy Spirit came. They began to speak in other languages that they had never spoken before, and people were hearing them proclaiming uh, the magnificence of God in their own languages. And some people assumed they were drunk. Um, this prompted Peter to stand up and begin to proclaim what was really going on. So that's what we're going to read this morning in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel, who said, And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and a cloud of smoke, the sun will turn, be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by death. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us today, to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to, to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He was not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord your God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. 
Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so glad to be here as a family, as your children, your church. I pray you would draw our attention to these words that we've heard, to the songs that we'll sing, Lord, as we praise you. May we focus in this morning on the wonders of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to gather together. We thank you, Lord, for being our God and our Savior, for your grace and your mercy. We give you praise for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, if you have a Bible, if you turn there to Psalm chapter 16, I'd appreciate that. Psalm chapter 16 is where we're going to be today. Um, I love Celebration Sundays. I really do. And uh, they're, they're so much fun and, uh, and just energetic. But I really want us to make sure that as we're here, we take that time, that pause that we need in our heart before the Lord and that we would hear from Him. Uh, because this is about, about Jesus today. It's not about us or even the friendships we have. It's all about Jesus and how he enables us to have fellowship with one another and how he enables us to, to learn from his word and to grow from his word. So, uh, and I know, you know, on a celebration Sunday like today and, a, and especially a family-friendly service, there's a lot of, of stuff in the mix. There's a lot of things going on. Uh, so sometimes that's hard, but I would just uh, encourage you again to focus, to try to focus as best you can on, uh, on what's happening and uh, prepare your heart for worship, whether you're singing or or learning from the Word, and let God teach us uh, in those ways. Uh, we have a lot of fun things going on. Again, this is a family-friendly service. If you didn't get that announcement uh, from, from Ryan, and Ryan is one of our elders, our pastors at our church. Thank you, Ryan. And uh, he, uh, he mentioned that uh, it's family-friendly, so there's no, no children's activities or children's church or nursery. Uh, that room is available if you, if you feel like you need to go. If you feel like your, your child is too distracting for you, go for it. But uh, we want, want to encourage them to stick around. I'm not going to speak for 45 minutes in a row just a little bit at a time. So we'll break that up a little bit, have some more singing, and, and a children's time right down in front as well uh, here in a few minutes too. So it'll be a great time. Uh, we, we welcome the kids. They're, they're, we're glad they're here. Uh, there is a cry room also in the back with a, with a window there and a speaker. You can hear what's going on in the service. So um, that's some of the housekeeping things. So uh, we are in Psalm chapter 16. We're going to go ahead and read through this together, and then we'll, we'll talk about our confidence that we can have uh, in the Lord. Before we do, let's pray. Father, again, we we go before you, and, and right now we stop. Uh, whatever's in our heart, whatever's going on around us, we, we want to pause. We want to silence those distractions that may be there. And God, it may not even be someone else. It may be the distractions in our own mind. So God, prepare our hearts now. We ask and invite your Holy Spirit to, to be in our midst, convicting us of sin and drawing us into a closer relationship with the Lord Jesus. That it would, the Spirit would challenge us and, and change us that we would be forever changed by your word. God, as we, read your, as we read your word, may our hearts and minds be open to it and receptive to receive whatever you have for us today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Psalm chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in one of the pew rack Bibles there. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people... Who are in the land, they are the noble ones, and my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me, because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely, for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy, and at your right hand our eternal pleasures. Amen? Today we're going to be looking at this psalm, Psalm 16. We're in the Summer of Psalms series, and we're going to just continue to plug along. 
Uh, we'll, we'll break down the first couple parts of it uh, first, then we'll get back into some worship and do a ch- children's corner and come back and finish it. So I want to I want to break down this passage uh, into into four different sections. We'll start with the first two, and, and it all has to do with our confidence in the Lord. When David proclaims this psalm, he is proclaiming his utmost confidence in the Lord, despite what's going on around him and the interactions he has with people, uh, the, the temptations that may exist. He is explaining his confidence in the Lord. So the first thing we see here are two reasons, I would say, two reasons that he can be confident in the Lord. He explains this to us. The first reason is this. We can be confident in the Lord because he is the only refuge. He is the only refuge. And when, when I say that, what I'm saying is he is the only true refuge. We have lots of different refuges, don't we? We have lots of things we run to as a refuge. In fact, one of the commentators, it was interesting seeing this, uh, when he says, protect me, God, the name for God there is El, and it's, it's the name for God there defined is the mighty one, the mighty one. So he's calling out to the name of God that's the mighty one. He says, the mighty one, the one who preserves us, the one who is the hero, and I love that one because my son loves superheroes, right? Who doesn't love superheroes? When David is, is saying this, he's saying, the Lord, the, the Lord, El, he is my superhero, there are other, other maybe small H heroes, but the Lord, the mighty one, the one who can preserve me, he is my superhero. He says, I take refuge in you. And some of the commentators were, were talking about what this looks like. And you think about chickens and, they, and hens, and they, they have chicks and they hatch, and they're little chicks, right? They peep, 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 right? They're, they're little chicks. What do they do when, they, when they, they need to be safe? They run under their mom. And that's, that's where they run for safety, this refuge, because their mom can save them or rescue them. Uh, we have chickens. We don't have any chicks. They've, they're grown, right, and they lay eggs. But we have, we have put in our, in our chicken coop, in our run, some, some pallets and some wood, some structures that they can run onto because uh, a lot of like hawks that might get them or, or animals that will come in, uh, this, they need safety from that. They want a refuge, right? And, and David's talking about this refuge that's not just something that's built out of pallet wood. He's saying this is our ultimate superhero. This is the Lord. He says, I take refuge in you. I, I can have confidence in you because you are my superhero, my only refuge. He goes on in verse 2. It says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Now, I want you to understand what he's saying. He's not just saying you are the refuge, which is very important, and that is the song of my heart and the song of those who are, are believers. That should be our, hearts, our heart song, that he is the refuge. But we need to understand it is a personal thing, isn't it? It's a very personal thing when we come to faith in Christ that he becomes my personal superhero, that he is my rescuer, my redeemer. And it's so important. If we want to have any confidence in the Lord, if you want to have any confidence in the Lord, you have to have him as your personal savior, your redeemer, the mighty one in your life, the superhero who, who you can be safe with. He said, I, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. And see, that's the transition. We, we talked about this so often. This is the gospel message. That not only do we need to be saved by Jesus from our sin, when we are, He is our ultimate treasure. That there's nothing greater that we could ever possess than Him. David says, I have nothing good besides you. Then then he goes on besides that, because that's a very personal and intimate and and, and a private thing. But he makes it more public, and he he talks about the fellowship of of this message in the next next verse. this, This fellowship of the message of refuge. It says, as for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. So he's talking about others who have come to faith in God and, and that he, he has become their superhero, their savior as well. And David says, when I look at the others, the holy people who are in the land, uh, they are the noble ones. My delight is in them. I del- he's delighting in that. He's delighting in the fact that God has not only rescued him, he has rescued others and there's a family and a fellowship. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Like when we're here today and any Sunday we gather together or in a small group in a home or a Bible study or, or just downtown for lunch, we're showing our delight in God as our refuge and we're showing that together corporately, not only individually and personally, but it has to start personally, doesn't it? It has to start with you. Now for some of you, it has never started. It has never even stirred enough to, to have you produce faith in Christ. But what you see around, and my hope is, and our hope is, that you would see those who have faith in Christ, and that would stir you to a delight in the refuge that is in the Lord, and that you would make a decision of faith in Christ as well, and become part of those noble ones, those holy people. Not because we're holy, because God has made us holy. Then it goes on. 
Verse 4 says, the sorrows for those who take another God for themselves will multiply. He makes this description, right? There are those who put their faith and hope in God as their refuge, that He becomes their superhero. And then there are those who don't. And those who don't are described as those who, whose sorrows of those who take another God will continue to multiply. And the word here, to take another God, that word take, it's, it's a hasty word. It's like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to try it. i got to go here. This has got to fill me. Do we see that in the world all around us? How often before Christ, and maybe even after Christ now, we tend to make hasty decisions, don't we? We don't think it through and aren't thorough. I'm not, I don't think I'm really conv- or, um, accused of that often in my home, of trying to make a decision like, takes me forever sometimes, right? It's like, what do I need to do? I don't know. i got to think about that some more. But there are times that we make hasty decisions, and oftentimes those hasty decisions are decisions to sin or to not trust in God. The world makes them all the time, and it says that those hasty decisions to take another God for themselves, what does that mean? That means they'll put their faith, their trust, their confidence, their pleasure in anything else except God anything else. And we are all guilty at some point in our lives of doing that. God continues to speak out against idolatry, against putting another God ahead of him, because there is no other God that is is mightier to save than God, our God, the Lord God. He says, the sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. It gets worse and worse, doesn't it? That despair that's created in the heart because we long for something to fill it, And when we go to try to fill it with something that can't fill it, what happens to our sorrow? What happens to our despair? It gets bigger, doesn't it? That gaping hole in our heart continues to not be filled, and our sorrows continue, and our our despair continues to multiply. All the while, God is there as a rescue, saying, I'm right here. David goes on and says, Their sorrows are going to multiply, but I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood. I will not speak their names with my lips. He's saying, because you are my only refuge, God, because you are my greatest treasure that I could ever have, I will not run to other sources of rescue or fulfillment because they will leave me empty. See, once we've tasted and seen, we know the truth. And for some of us that that have tasted and seen, who have expressed faith in Christ, there are still those dark days where we think, you know what, I I don't want to get vulnerable, I don't want to get transparent here, so I'll try to do it myself. All the meanwhile, God's like, I'm here. I'm your refuge. Come to me. It might take some humility. It might take some shame. It might take some conviction and repentance of sin. But come to me. I am your refuge. All the while, God is wanting to be the refuge. But, but David understands he has a confidence in God because God is his only refuge. And because of that, he will not go to something that is not the refuge like the Lord is. So you and I, you and I can have a confidence in the Lord because he is our only hope. Uh, turn with me if you would. Keep your finger here. Go to Psalm chapter 75. I want us to see this, this picture played out. It's really amazing as you see the psalmist write these things, and certainly David writes most of the psalms. But as you see the psalmist write, um, you, it's, it's really neat to see other psalms that he's written in, and, and you, can, you can come back and forth and say, oh, this might explain it a little better. This might tell you a little more about what's really going on here. So we're in Psalm 75, and we're going to read verses 21 through 25, and actually we'll come back and read uh, some more of that as well. That's not right, is it? You guys are good. Well, I don't know. You might, you may, don't turn there. I'm just going to read the scripture on my page. It's listed as Psalm 75, but it's not the right one. Let me, 78 rings a bell. This is fun. We can just go back and forth here. No, no big deal. No, it's not 78. It's okay. Just take a minute, clear ourselves of distractions preacher can't get the psalm right it's okay I'm gonna, i'll read it to you and you can google it later and find out the reference or i'll tell you after during children's corner because i'll go over there and figure it out <laughs> psalm something or another <laughs> verses 21 through 25 <laughs> here it is this is kind of a before and after it says when i became embittered and i want us to think this is going to tie in really well i'll read it again later it's going to tie in really well to our children's corner i'm reading a book today to the children it says, when I became embittered, that word embittered, that's a, a fruit of an evil heart, a heart that's not found refuge in God. I became embittered in my innermost being. Why? Because it comes from the heart, right? And, and I was wounded. And I, verse 22, it's, it's hard because I, I tell my son not to say this, and he reminds us all the time not to say it when we say it. He says, I was stupid. 
Now we say, don't, tell, don't say that, but this is very descriptive of, of, of a heart of a person who is trying to, to do their best, but they can't figure it out. They're trying to fill their own heart, with their, own, their own lives with ref, a refuge that's not God. He says, I was stupid and I didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you. You see that description of the before? That's where we all were before we met Jesus, before he changed us and he became a refuge. We were all in that place where we were embittered in our innermost being and we were wounded because of our own sin, our own selfishness, our own pride. And we couldn't fix it. We couldn't fill it with anything else because it was all fluff compared to what Jesus can offer. He says, I was stupid. I didn't understand. I was, I was an unthinking animal towards you. But something had to change between my heart and my head. And here's what happened. It says, yet... I am, with you, I am always with you, and you hold my right hand. I love this, this text, you hold my right hand. Uh, in, the, in the earlier text, and we're going to see it later on as we go through this text, God is, it, God is said to be at the right hand of the psalmist of David. Like, he is with us. He's right there. And, and it's, it's almost like you're, uh, in those times, what that meant was that you were before a judge or before people who were condemning you, and the person who stood at your right hand was, was vouching for you. They were there to, to fight for your case, plead your case. And I love that, that image, that at your right hand, he, God's right here at our right hand. But I love this even more, because it shows our dependence, doesn't it? He says, I am always with you. You what? Hold my right hand. He's not just at my right hand. He's like my daddy, and I'm getting ready to cross the street, and he is taking my hand and holding my hand for me. He says, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me up in glory. This is what God is promising to those who have faith in Him, who have made Him a refuge. And verse 25 says, Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. That's what the psalmist is saying. I desire nothing on earth but you. 73, 73 thank you. Chapter 73. <laughs> Probably already found it. Make, make, make a note of that. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. Listen, He is our only refuge. He is all that we need. The next point is very similar to that, and it's this, that it's another reason why we have confidence. So the first reason was uh, because He is our only refuge. And number two, we have confidence because He is our portion. He is our portion. So it's almost like flipped around a little bit. Uh, why is He our only refuge? Because He is the portion that can fill the cup that we need to be filled. Let's go back to Psalm 16 together and keep your Keep your finger at Psalm 73. We'll come back to that in a minute. Thank you, Lois. Psalm 16. Let's look at the next part of this, verses 5 and 6. It says, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You are my portion. You know, when we look at Scripture, we see that there's a portion needed. And that portion is for you and I that we owe something to God. Because of our sin, we've separated ourselves from God. And, and the penalty, the wages of sin, Scripture says, is death. An eternal separation from a good and holy God. But God, who is rich in mercy, right? God extends His love and His grace to us and, and, and draws us to Himself that we might uh, ex express faith in Christ and be saved from our sin. That we would be forgiven of our sin when we say He is our portion, what we're saying is He is everything that satisfies the sin that I owe for. That He is everything that satisfies for the sin that I owe for. He says, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. Not only are you my portion, that, that what you did satisfy what I owed, but now my cup, because of that, will run over in blessing from the Lord. And not only, not only blessing now, but blessing certainly for eternity. The way He blesses now is that joy and that hope that He gives us beyond this life he goes on and says you hold my future and i i love the text in some some translation it's like you maintain my lot and it was almost like this tenant relationship with a with a, uh, a landlord that tenants would would move into a house or move onto a property and the landlord would maintain my lot that there's an agreement that the landlord would take care of everything you can stay there i'll make sure it's fixed and running lights are on everything's paid i'll take care of it and that's what David's saying. He's like, you hold my future. You, you know, when Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, what did he say? He said, I go to what? Prepare a place for you. Guess what? I'm going to hold your spot. I'm going to hold your 
lot, and we can count on that, that he is going to hold our spot, hold my future, maintain my lot. He goes to prepare a place, and he says, boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. This is what it means. We must let our confidence in the Lord lead us here into these pleasant places rather than into despair. Satan wants to distract us. He wants to pull us away from where God has said, I'll give you, I'll give you joy, I'll give you hope. I'll, I'll overwhelm you with, with my with hope that's in Christ and, and eternal life. But Satan wants to pull that away from us. And, and God has set those boundary lines and, and he is leading us into pleasant places. And one day we'll be in his presence forever. And that hope should drive us and well up within us. And our confidence will increase because of that. He says, it, it, it leads me to pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful, beautiful inheritance. See, when we have true confidence in the Lord, the worship of other gods is no temptation to us. He's our refuge. He is our portion. It's because the Lord has become our portion, and we have found satisfaction and security in Him that we can have confidence in Him. And my hope is this, that, that if, you, if you have said to yourself or others that you've expressed faith in Christ as Savior, then you have found satisfaction and security in Christ alone. His portion... His portion refers to this inheritance that the father is going to leave for the son or the daughter, the child. And the cup of blessing refers to this full life that's to be enjoyed, not only now, but forever because of what he gives. Back to Psalm 73, if you would. Let's just go back there quickly and we'll we'll sing a song in a minute. Psalm 73, continuing on from verse 25 or verse 26, actually. It says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. You see how that connects? Talk about the portion. My flesh and my heart may fail. That's the before. But my God is my strength. He's the strength of my heart, my portion forever. What strengthens our heart? It's not us. It's not those other, other little G gods, those other little, little H heroes. It's ultimately in our confidence in what God has accomplished by being our portion it says, those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all those who are unfaithful to you. This is, the, this is the separation. God is saying, come to me and I will rescue you. But if you don't come to me, there's not going to be rescue for you. He says, but as for me, in verse 28, as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell all about, or about all you do. That's, that's where we're at now. We're a place of saying, you know, he's, he is my refuge. He is my portion, and I don't want to be ashamed of that. I don't want to have any shame left. doesn't matter what happens in this life. God has become my refuge, my portion, and, and he will never fail me. God can be our true portion and our cup of life because he took it upon himself to drink from the cup of suffering on the cross so that we might live. Do you understand that? He drank from the cup of suffering that you and I owed to God because we could not drink from it and live. But he drank from it so that we could live and we have an inheritance of eternal life and now it doesn't matter how I fare in this life. I want to read from from Philippians, the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church. He says, My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. That's great, isn't it? God, take the shame away, the guilt away. You are my portion. I can live in a way that tells all about you. He says, but, but that now, as always, with all courage, that Christ will be highly honored. Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. It doesn't matter now, does it? It doesn't matter what happens in this life. It doesn't matter how we fare now, because if we have Christ as our refuge, we have our everything. We have Christ who went to the cross and gave up his blood and drank the cup of suffering, so you and I could have a cup that overflows with his grace and forgiveness into eternal life. He says, I, I, with all courage, I want Christ to be highly honored in my body, whether by life by, or by death. And verse 21 is amazing. He says, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is what? Gain. Can, do you believe that, church? To die is gain. To, to shed this, this mortal body, this tent, is to gain eternity with God forever. Isn't that an amazing thing? 
That, that's the portion that he is. He made that possible not only through his death on the, res, on the cross, but through his resurrection and the power that he had over death. And because he has power over sin and death, and you and I who have faith in Christ will also have power over sin and death. He took the cup that we could never endure so our cup would be full of his blessing. Amen? All right, we're going to continue to sing. The worship team, I'm going to invite you back up. Uh, let's go ahead and stand and pray together as they, as they come back up. Father, we, we again need to pause our heart and to, to come before you in a, in a place that we, we're expectant to hear from your Spirit, that you're going to guide us, that you're going to direct us, that you're going to convict us of sin if necessary, Lord, that you will move us to a place of obedience and repentance with you. Father, as we continue in worship and to give and to learn and to grow, God, I pray that you, you would bless that, that, Lord, you would be the ultimate refuge our ultimate superhero. God, that you, that you are our portion and that we would trust you as our portion and our cup would overflow because of Jesus. We have confidence in you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, it's time for our kids' corner. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably have you guys maybe there, come on up here on this seat and right on the floor in front of me. Come on up. If you're a kid and you want to participate or maybe you're a kid at heart, you can come up too. It's okay. I'm going to read a story. Hey, dude. Come on up here got a cool book to read to you. <clears throat> Hi, guys. Come on up. Have a seat. You can sit on the pew right there, and you can sit on the floor. Either one, okay? Either one or both. Come on up. We've got some more going on there. How are you guys? I heard you singing. You sound really good. You guys do good. You're four? Wow. Hi, guys. Okay. So I think it's going to be on the screen. Yeah, I see it in front of me. So um, our own uh, member of our church, Dodie Dixon. Dodie, raise your hand. Wave. Hi. She's back over there. She's probably going to blush about this, but this is her book. Uh, Dodie wrote this, this book, and uh, it's uh, really just it's a fun read, and we're going to read it together today. And it's not meant to be the Bible, because the Bible is our Bible, but uh, it's, it's a great story made, uh, made to help us think about who we are. Uh, and who God is as our rescuer, okay? So we're going to read this book together. Uh, before I do that, I want to read one little verse uh, to you. It was out of uh, Psalm chapter 73, because that's right where it was. And uh, right, that one. Um, here's what it said, kids, listen here. It says that, that there was a time where we maybe didn't understand something. We didn't understand. And, and I, I, was my, I was not thinking very clearly and the scripture says that I was like an unthinking animal toward God. So we're going to see that today in this story a little bit, that there's a, an animal that just, just wasn't quite clearly thinking about their relationship to God and the Creator. And we're going to think about that for us too as humans as His creation as well, okay? So I'm going to put this back up here. And I think Alistair or, or Davey or someone's going to follow along with the pictures on the screen, and I'll show you the pictures as well if I can, because I don't have that spiritual gift of reading upside down, Okay. <laughs> But I'm going to try. Can you guys see that? If you need to move around, you can move around a little bit. There's the storybook, okay? You ready? And the, and the picture is up there on the screen as well, okay? It said, once upon a time, many, many years ago, God created a big green forest. And in this lovely forest lived many of God's other creations. It was truly a peaceful and loving place. There were mountains, trees, streams, rocks, flowers, grass, and plants, all beautiful in their own spiritual way. They were, uh, there were many different kinds of wildlife creatures that lived in the big forest as well. Deer, foxes, cougars, squirrels, uh, they could, and even squirrels that could sail from one tree to another as if they were flying. There were also coyotes, bobcats, bears, badgers, raccoons, just to mention a few of the creatures. Are there any other creatures we missed? What other creatures were there? Doves. Oh, we're going to read that too, yeah. Raccoons. What, did someone else know a creature that might have been there? Wolves. Elephants, right? Yeah, there me. Monkeys, lions and tigers, and bears. Oh, my. Leighton? What is it? Woodpecker. All right, let's see what else is there. There were also many varieties of birds. All right. Uh, the, the larger birds were eagles and hawks and owls. The smaller birds were like robins and blue jays, crows, quails, flickers, woodpeckers, blackbirds, hummingbirds, and dove. Ooh, dove, right? That's the story. Yes, a dove, right? All the animals, trees, and forests, and plants, they, they spoke to each other in the same language and loved each, loved each other very much. 
They're looking out for one another. What's that? A dovey, yes, dovey. Next page, here we go. This story is about a very special bird named Little Dove. Little Dove lived in the top of a big birch tree that grew by the river. Little Dove could see for a long way from her nest high in the tree. Every morning just before dawn, Little Dove would wake up early and sing a beautiful song that echoed throughout the forest. Her song would let everyone know that the sun was about to rise from the east, being the, or behind the big snow-covered mountain, uh, to light the way for another new and wonderful day. Life was beautiful and perfect in the forest. One evening, Old Man Coyote came to Little Dove and told her that there was a big storm coming from, uh, from the north. He told her to reinforce her nest uh, on the tree and to stay put until the storm passed. Old Man Coyote went on through the forest warning everyone about the big storm to come. Do you know what it means to reinforce? It means to make the nest stronger and bigger and like hunker down. I, I don't know. The birds are pretty cool. They put more sticks in it? Yeah, that's true. What? Or wood. Yeah, they can make, make it bigger and better. Yeah. Yeah, bud. Or mud. Good job, buddy. Nah, I don't know about that one. On the next page. A little, uh, little, I love Children's Corner. It's so much fun. It's like my own little episode of Kids Say the Darndest Things. Little Dove has seen storms before. Uh, so she did not listen to Old Man Coyote. After all, Old Man Coyote would go to the top of, top of the ridge every night and howl at the moon and stars. Right? Who would believe a crazy old fellow like that? He was probably mistaken about the storm coming. Besides that, he was very old. <laughs> his name is, yeah, that's how I got his name, right? Little Dove did not believe Old Man Coyote, and so she went about her usual business, of getting ready for bed and did not give the storm a second thought. All the other creatures in the forest, did, they did believe Old Man Coyote and got busy securing and reinforcing their dens, nests, and burrows. They all took shelter just like Old Man Coyote told them to do. All except who? Little Dove. Little Dove. It's a bird. Yep. Somewhere around midnight, a loud clap of thunder was heard. Can you guys clap like a thunder? Okay, there you go. A loud clap of thunder was heard. It was so loud that it shook everything in the forest. Then the rain started pouring and the lightning bolts were striking all around. The wind blew like, uh, it, the wind blew like Little Dove had never seen it blow before. Little Dove was so scared, she looked down to the forest floor but did not see anyone moving around. All of the other animals had believed Old Man Coyote and they had taken shelter. Uh-oh, what's going to happen? Why had Little Dove been so sure Old Man Coyote was just spouting off for attention? Now she was all alone and had no hope or faith of surviving the storm. Just then a huge gust of wind blew the entire nest of the little doves, out of the Little Dove's tree and sent it crashing down to the ground below. Part of it landed in the stream and part of it landed on the, uh, in, the, in a hawthorn bush. Little Dove couldn't move. Her left side hurt so bad, and she couldn't lift her left wing. Oh, dear, what will I do? If only I had believed old man coyote, she thought. Oh, it could be a waterfall or a wave. But if you're a dove in a hawthorn bush in a stream, it's not the best case, right? The water in the river started rising from all the, all the rain. Soon little dove would be completely underwater and drown. This is not how little dove wanted her life to end. Just as her head was about to go completely underwater, Little Dove prayed to God to take mercy on her and free her from the watery grave. She tried to breathe, but only got water. She was surely going to be a goner. Uh-oh. That's not the end of the story, though. Then, out of nowhere, a bright light shone down over Little Dove. The wind stopped blowing, and, and it quit raining. The entire forest became calm and peaceful again. Little Dove felt the hand of God pick her up out of the water and the hawthorn bush, uh, pluck a big thorn out of her wing, and breathe precious life back into her, soaking wet little body. Was it real or just a dream? Little Dove opened her eyes, and behold, right there in front of her was an angel of God. He had sent the angel down from his kingdom to save her. 
The angel told little Dove that God loved her no matter what and, and to never lose hope again and that little Dove should, uh, should always believe, trust, and have faith in God. Right? You, oh, do you? Yeah. That's... Little Dove was so thankful that she began to cry. Her tears were falling so hard and heavy that they made a big pool of sparkling water. Little Dove looked into the pool of water and saw her reflection. Oh, my! Her feathers had changed from the original gray-brown color to be a beautiful, pure white, so bright that she glowed. Little Dove loved her new color and smiled up to heaven and gave thanks to God for saving her life. Then a loud voice came from above, and God told Little Dove that from then on her name would be Little Dove Sparkling Water because she had made the water sparkle from her tears. God also told Little Dove that she should fly through the forest and tell all the others to have faith and trust in God. After all, God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He would be there for them no matter what, forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, I... So for you, for you and I, what I want to help you understand is that, that before we know Jesus, when Jesus really wants to know us, He's warning us and He's using your parents or me or the Bible to tell you there's a storm coming. And that storm is, is when God judges the sin that we've done in our heart. And God, God wants to forgive us of that. God wants to turn us from kind of yucky and, a, and, a, and maybe a, a dirty color to a pure white color, like, like shining, sparkling, or little dove sparkling water, so that we are pure and white. But Jesus is the only one that can do that. And we have to have our faith in Jesus and trust in Him to forgive us of our sin. But we should not be like an unthinking animal and go about our business, but we should listen to the warning and we should turn and trust in Jesus as our Savior. All right? You guys, good book? All right, thanks, you guys. Let's go back to our seats, okay? Good job. Give him a hand. Good job. Thank you, Dodie, for that book. We're going to be back in Psalm chapter 16, if you want to go back to your Bibles there. We'll finish out our text together. You may, be able to, you may have seen and see the, uh, we have the Lord's Supper set up today for communion. And um, we, you know, if, when we're talking about a confidence and a hope that we have in God, what we're talking about is, is that He is our portion and our refuge. And if He's our portion and our refuge, then we're going to celebrate Him today as that portion and refuge. Amen? So we, uh, we're back in Psalm chapter 16. Uh, so we've talked about two reasons that we can have confidence in God. One was because He is the refuge, and the other one is that He is our portion in our cup, that He took, took the cup that we could never have drank on our own, and He took it, and he, he bore it, and that He can give us His cup now, and that cup is one that's overflowing. We're going to go on and look at a couple more things that we see happen because of our confidence in God. So the first two were things that uh, show us why we can have confidence in God. These two things are things that come from a confidence in God, all right? So number two, number three is this. Number three is because we have confidence in God, uh, our confidence increases as we yield to Him. Our confidence is meant to increase. So, and, and get me, there are times where we are on these mountaintops of experience, aren't, aren't they? Like we, we know Jesus and He has done an amazing thing in my life and I am trusting in Him no matter what. Well, then it gets easy. And we're in a, in a valley of some, something, and it's like, oh, it's, it's just go, go on about our business. We need to set aside that time to, to, to renew our mind and increase our confidence in God. So we're at Psalm 16. We're looking at verses uh, 7 through 8 now in this, in this point. He goes on and says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me. Gives guidance, right? Even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I will always let the Lord guide me because He is at my right hand I will not be shaken. You see, there is guidance and stability that comes as we let the confidence that we have in the Lord increase in our life. We have increased confidence in the Lord. He increases the guidance in our life and the stability that we feel in our lives. And the, the opposite of this is, is or the, the thing that weighs or battles with our confidence are our thoughts. Uh, Satan is trying to get control of our mind, trying to get control of our, our thoughts and our heart connected, disconnected so that we behave how he thinks we should behave. Now, we have faith that, is, uh, that, that he is our portion, that God is our portion. And we have faith that he is our refuge. And that must now increase because this battle between the heart and mind is continual. 
So for you and I, we need to take every thought captive. We'll see that in a minute. Here's the truth. If we are to, re- to know that he is a refuge and our portion, and we want our faith to increase, we need to understand that if Christ didn't die, if Christ isn't our refuge, or, wh- or wh- didn't take that cup of suffering on the cross, if what he did on the cross didn't satisfy, then we can have no confidence in him. If he didn't die, or if what he did wasn't enough, we can have no confidence in him. So yes, if he didn't die or wasn't enough, then by all means, keep worrying, keep struggling, keep working, keep trying to figure it out, keep trying to be enough on your own, claw your way there. Because if he didn't die or if he didn't do enough, it is absolutely up to you. That's pretty despairing, isn't it? That's what Satan wants to convince us of every single day. You aren't good enough. And then then he wants to convince you that you should try to be. What God is wanting to convince you of is that you are not a good enough, you're not good enough, but I am, is what he says. Amen? That he is good enough. So thank God that he did do enough. And now, now because we know he did enough and we have confidence in God, we have to take every thought captive, every temptation, everything that Satan wants to put in our mind to get us off course, we take every thought captive knowing that he is offering us what he poured out on the cross for us. And he was exactly what justice required. And through our faith in him, he will never let us down. Amen? And that's a confidence that we can have. It's not from our own self. It's because he did the finished work. We will stand justified through faith in Christ and his forgiveness of us. We will stand justified and forgiven before the Father because of our confidence in what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. And he has promised to never leave us or abandon us. So we well up with this confidence. We increase that confidence. We take every thought captive that would want us to get us off course. And we remember that he was our portion and that he does not abandon us. So he's our guide and our stability. I'll bless the Lord who counsels me. Even at night when my thoughts trouble me. Ever have a sleepless night? Time your mind starts wandering and Satan's starting to play tricks on you. God's like, no, no, take every thought captive. I, want, I am your portion. I'm your cup. I've, I've, I'm your refuge. I've got you covered. We have to fight that battle. He says, I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Remember that right hand thing? It's, it's not just that he's at my right hand advocating for me, fighting the battle for me. I can take his hand. He takes my hand. He holds on to me. That's what he's promising. He's not just at my right hand until I walk away and leave. He's there at my right hand, holding my hand, being my portion, being my refuge. We had to run to him. Hebrews chapter 13 says this in verses 5 through 6. Keep your life free from the love of money. And it's, it's also, or idols, or sin, or your mind games that you have playing in your head. Keep your mind, your, your life free of those things. It says, be satisfied with what you have. And I, I like how this connection is made because it, it, it also goes back to Psalm 16, the first part of this. Be satisfied with what you have. Now, we could say, be, God's given you what you need. Be satisfied with what you have. Don't, don't long for more money, more stuff. And that's true. That, that, that's scripturally sound. But it says, be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said. He himself. And I really think that, that being satisfied, if we want to really tr- truly be satisfied, where does that satisfaction come from? He himself. He himself, and it's he himself who said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That's a confidence in God, isn't it? It's a confidence in God that he is enough for us. Turn with me to Psalm 109, if you would. I think, I think it's Psalm 109. We'll see. Yes, faith, here we go. Psalm 109, verse 26 through 31. I want to show you this increase, this increase in confidence that we see a need for, and and this increase in confidence because of God's guidance and stability in our lives. Psalm 109, beginning at verse 26. Help me, Lord my God, 
Save me according to your faithful love, your Hesed love, so they may know that this is your hand and that you, Lord, have done it. Isn't that amazing? All the praise, all the honor, all the credit goes where it's due. Not on you or on my shoulders, but at Jesus, at God, who is our rescuer, His faithful love, His hand, He has done it. We have confidence in Him. That confidence is not in us. So you want to get off track? You want to decrease your confidence in the Lord? Increase your confidence in yourself. If you want to increase your confidence in the Lord, what? Decrease your confidence in yourself. Verse 28 says, Though they curse, you will bless. When they rise up, they will be put to shame, but your servant will rejoice. My accusers will be clothed with disgrace. They will wear their shame like a cloak. So there's a confidence we have that's in Him, not in us. So if our confidence is in Him, when the enemies come and start to slight us, it doesn't matter because our confidence is in Him. And what he's saying is that even though the enemy tries to throw us off, we know that they will be put to shame because we have a confidence in our God who is our superhero, our refuge. And he goes on, he says in verse 30, I will fervently thank the Lord with my mouth. I will praise Him in the presence of many. For he stands at the right hand of the needy to save him from those who would condemn him. Amen? There's a confidence that we have there. So we have a confidence that's in him, not us. Even though our enemies try to throw us off and attack us, we have a confidence in him. So we're still strengthened and guided and stable. And, and they will be put to shame by God. When they stand before the Father one day, there will be no acquittal there because they are not covered with Christ's blood and redeemed by the refuge of, of Christ. They are guilty on their own and put to shame. So knowing those things and that our confidence is in Him, my praise and my confidence should increase and continue to increase. And this cycle is born where my confidence increases then my, then my, and my uh, praise increases, my confidence increases, and I know that I am stable and guided by God wherever I go. So confidence in the Lord increases our confidence in the Lord. Take every thought captive. Number four, finally number four. A confidence in the Lord produces abundant joy. A confidence in the Lord, a true confidence in the Lord produces an abundant joy. Back to Psalm 16 together. We'll finish out the rest of this chapter. Verses 9 through 11. Starts out with, therefore. We ask the question, what? What is that there for? It's therefore based on everything we've just gone through, based on what we've learned about Him being our refuge and our cup and our portion, what we've learned about increasing our confidence in Him and praising Him because He has accomplished it all. Therefore, my heart is what? Glad. My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. I love, I love these three things that it says there. It says, my heart is glad. And and when you look at this and dive in, it's different than just my being rejoices. My heart is glad is, is a countenance that is given to us. When our heart is glad, we can see it where? On our face. We can just know that there's peace there, there's hope there, there's security there. And it's in the Lord who is a rock and, and in whom our faith will never be shaken. He says, though my heart is glad and, and my whole being then rejoices. So now there is a being glad and praising God aspect of this. It's not just a countenance. It is an increase in actual action of joy and praise to God with our lives. He says, my body also rests securely. You see, when we have our faith in Christ, an assurance in Christ, a confidence in, in the Lord our God who is a refuge and our cup, who poured himself out for us, who gave his body and his blood that we might be forgiven, that we would be unshaken because of him, our joy increases. Our body rests securely in that. You and I don't have to wonder. I remember there was a, a, an illustration of a pastor who was on a plane, a plane ride, and, and next to him sat a Muslim. And they got talking about faith in Christ and faith matters, and, and certainly there are cultural religions and there are actual religion religions that are, that are believers in religion. And, and it got down to the question, do you, do you know, are you sure that you're going to be in eternity with God one day? And the Muslim answered the pastor very honestly. He said, I, I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope that God can forgive me. Now, that was not a, I'm hopeful about it. That was, man, I I'm, I'm bought a lottery ticket, and I'm hoping that someone pulls it. 
That is not a way for our body to rest securely. Amen? When you and I come to faith in Christ, there's no faith in ourselves. It's all in Him. And today as we partake in the Lord's table at the Lord's Supper and we take of the elements of the, of the body, the cracker and the blood, the juice, we do not think one thing about our own ability. We don't think walking up, partaking, says, I sure hope He'll accept me. We come up the aisle because He has. That our confidence is in Him and in Him alone. And my body rests securely in Him. And then in verse 10 it says, For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life for me. See, listen, there is resurrection power in the name of Jesus. That when God is our refuge, when we have expressed faith in Christ, His resurrection now becomes our resurrection. And death will not hold us. He will not abandon us to hell. And he will not let his faithful one see decay. This shell will be shed, but our souls and our new body will never see decay. And he reveals the path of life to us. The path of life. Proverbs 4, 18 says, The path of the, of the righteous is like the light of of the dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. That is so hopeful, isn't it? That's so filled with hope that our abundant joy rises up because of the power of the resurrection, because of the, the power of eternal treasure with Christ. And that as we, as we walk this life, it gets brighter and brighter, seeing the hope of a future that He has planned for us because He said, I will go prepare a place for you. I will be your ultimate treasure. Nothing you could do could ever earn it but I will give it to you through faith in me. The one who found refuge, think about this, the, 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 the psalmist here, who found refuge in verse 1, finds themselves as an error, and their inheritance beyond all imagining and beyond all exploring because of their faith in the Lord. It is the her- inheritance of actual life not rubies or diamonds or treasures, that'll all be worthless when there are streets of gold. The inheritance is an inheritance of life, and that life is found in Christ alone. Amen? Through Christ alone, and what He's done on the cross for us. He has become our portion. I want to invite the worship team, if you would, to come back up. We're going to sing some more songs, but we're going to prepare our hearts for Communion, again, this is a time I want to set aside for you to prepare your hearts. And, and if you guys would, uh, Tom, bring the, bring the house lights down out here. And I just want to quiet our hearts. And uh, they're going to start playing instrumentally. And, and I want you just to, to think about how, how, how big of a refuge, how big of a refuge Christ is for you. How big of a ref- refuge Christ is for us. That, that He would be our all in all. And that today as we come forward to partake in the Lord's Supper, to partake of the elements of the cracker, the body, we remember that Christ died and, he, and he, he gave Himself, He gave us His life so that we could be free and, and that He gave His blood. He, he let His blood be shed. He willingly went to the cross to die. Uh, the Scripture says no one put Him there, no one killed Him. He gave Himself up for our behalf. So as we, as we begin to, to play, as we begin to pray, I want your, your heart and your mind to be focused on Jesus. I want your heart and mind to be focused on what He accomplished for you and for me. It's not about what you, you accomplished or what you have done. It's about the fact that you have expressed faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And as we partake, it's a special time to partake, trusting and, and confessing in our heart that He is our refuge, that He is our portion. Amen? That, that our, our confidence will increase as we walk down to partake of the elements, that our confidence increases every time we do in the Lord, and that our joy will overflow. Our countenance, it'll, it'll be seen in our face, the countenance that we have, because we are forgiven by Jesus. Amen? So I'm going to ask that as they just play for, for about 30 seconds or a minute until, until they start singing, that we would just pray quietly. We would contemplate that. Uh, we're going to have some, some folks come up and, and be up front that you can pray with if you'd like to pray. And the way we're going to serve today during our celebration Sunday is we're going to use the two center aisles to, to line up and come down. And, and when you get to the elements down here, the, the, the bread, the crackers will be here first. Right? And you can grab that and, and, and partake of that cracker right there and, and trusting in Christ as the, as the body that was sufficient for you. You can partake right here. And then you can grab one of the, the, the cups and partake of the cup. 
of blessing, right? That, that Christ endured as the cup of suffering. We get to gain as the cup of, of blessing now. And remember what Christ has done. You can do that right here. You can freely take it back, but partake on your own or with a spouse or a friend. Uh, for those of us who have children, uh, my kids aren't quite ready to partake here yet. They don't understand this. They haven't, they haven't connected here. They're, they're starting to. So they'll come. They'll, they'll watch as we participate in this and, and learn, and they'll grow from that. But that's up to you and your family. You know, you know what that looks like for your kids. But make this a special time of partaking in communion with the Lord's Supper. Let's go ahead and, and be in silent prayer and reflection for a few, a few seconds.